Hello and welcome to Motorsport Now. My name is Jade Paveley and today's guest is Laura Tillett. You may not know but I kart raced from the age of 15 to around about 19 and I remember as a, a mid-teen uh, hearing Laura's name about and she was quite an inspirational person really. Um, her family as you'll find out have always been involved in karting and they've got a kart seat business which is doing really well which is great to hear and it was a real brilliant conversation just to have with her actually this was the second time recording with her the first interview I did with Laura I don't think she actually gave herself enough credit so just putting it out there Laura if you're listening I think that's what we said before and you know that's that's what I said but she's done such a great job with her career and she has a lot of very valid points and it was really nice to speak to another girl that although I've not raced karting at her level it was really good to kind of bounce off Laura and hear about her experiences which I could relate to a lot of the time as well. Um, we talk about being a girl in motorsport and she sums it up perfectly. I'll let you listen to that yourself but I'm very much on the same page as her when it comes to that and without further ado here is Laura. My name is Laura Tillett, I'm a former uh, world championship karting competitor and works driver and I raced and competed in the British Formula Renault Championship. What a brilliant introduction that is. Um, you've done some brilliant things over your career in karting and, and racing. But let's start with your family, because they are actually quite a big name within karting. Yeah, so we, we've got a big group of us now. We're actually gradually getting bigger with my brother-in-law now joining. Um, so obviously my dad used to race, um, and then he started up Tillet Racing Seats um then obviously as a young kid I've always wanted a race so then I started um then my brother was kind of forced into it because he was a boy and my dad just assumed that like you know he would want to race he loves it now but at first he was really sort of anti it is he your (laughs) Um, older or younger brother he's younger yeah but my dad had to try and force him to go by buying him like a McDonald's um (laughs) I know it it was so hilarious but now he's a completely different different person he loves racing and he's really he's actually good at it and you know obviously he's dedicated a lot of time to it as well now so you know luckily my dad you know got his boy that actually wanted to race in the end <laughs> crazy isn't it how like parents think these things are. but when did you first get your cart because it was a christmas so, right yeah so i got um i don't even think my brother was born then because there's a, there's a massive age gap between us um he was a little accident so um like it was just me. So my dad, and because I loved it so much, my sister really wasn't bothered. Um, my dad kind of like was hoping that I'd be the racing driver and, and I would do it with him. Um, so he bought me a cart when I was eight years old for Christmas. Uh, no, sorry. He bought me a cart when I was um, 11 years old for Christmas. Um, and then my mum said, no, no, no. They nearly got a divorce because of it because she was so anti it. Um, and then like one Christmas, I think it was just the year after, um, my mum had said, oh, yes, she can have a go. And it snowed. So I was that desperate. I even went out in the snow. <laughs> oh my goodness. And why did your mum not want you to do it? Was it just she was worried about the danger element or had enough? Yeah, think when she obviously watched my dad, um, he raced, you know, like old school 100cc stuff. So, you know, it was a lot more dangerous. They had a lot open wheel back. The, the bumpers were really small so it was a lot more open wheel um 
and obviously they used to roll quite often so I think she'd always seen that and so she was a bit like oh no I'm not letting my little girl do that and things but you know the, the safety in casting is incredible now like you know you might roll it but you just get straight back up again and carry on so you know I think motorsport in general now is so safe I think she's now come to terms with that <laughs> she's yeah and if anything happens just send her away make sure she doesn't see the album <laughs> yeah You've got the different age categories. So you've got juniors, which is, I think, 11 to 16, if it's still the same as when I was doing it. Um, it's different in different categories, actually. So like if you go to um, racing the World Championships now, you can be a senior driver at the age of 13, which no I find ridiculous because, you know, you're not a senior. So it's, it's crazy. And then they lowered the, the actual weight limit to make it so that the 13-year-olds could compete. That's mad. So, you're an adult man you you can't actually race the senior class <laughs> mad so you would have been well in some ways a little bit behind because other people would have been competing a few years before you started so kids can start from what is it four or five yeah yeah so obviously I wasn't allowed till I was 11 my brother had a car at three Three. So, no. three. I know. So I think, you know, it was so unfair, really, because I mean, there was like, well, at least seven years that I could have had just, you know, getting better. But no, I didn't get that opportunity. <laughs> and tell us a little bit about your kind of timeline when you were racing. So you did juniors, seniors, and then you jumped up to the world championship. But how was that kind of progress for you? Like, what, what happened during that time? Um, yes, yeah, so I only did six races in like the cadet class. I basically just did my novice racing. Um, and then because I think girls are generally bigger than boys when you're younger. So I, I really struggled with like the weight limit. Um, so we, it was just like me and my dad were like, let's just go um, do juniors because at least I'll be on the weight. You know, I might be one of the younger ones, but it'll be, you know, and I like being chucked in a deep end. So I was, I was fine with that. Um, yeah, and then I did the British Championship. So we did like... Um, like obviously all the junior max and then then jicka i moved to like the ica um, 100 cc class so then i did jicka and then ica um where did they race just so someone who's not in carton would know whereabouts did you go around the country like whereabouts was it yeah so the british championship is held all over the country so we had rounds in in ireland we had round in like cumbria scotland um obviously the the shame the well the biggest problem is is that there's actually no um tracks within kent where i live <laughs> that hold any british championship rounds so you know wherever i had to race i always had to travel at least two hours to get there so yeah i mean it was okay because that means I'm, i got to come out of school fractionally early to leave but still <laughs> it was too far away to test <laughs> going to scotland must have been a right pain actually for you from kent <laughs> yeah yeah it was not, not pleasant <laughs> and how did you find it doing that jump when you started competing abroad um, it was obviously I'd grown up looking at people who were in like the top level of racing, which I, you know, for me was, you know, Formula A or Super KF, you know, those classes where you had David Foray, Marco Ardigo, you know, Baz Lammers, all these big top drivers who've won world championships and stuff. They were all obviously abroad racing in like the Italian champs, WSK, things like that. Um, and so I'd always looked up to them and sort of thought that's that's what I want to do that's what I want to achieve you know if I get there then I know I've made it in my my eyes I've made it as a good driver um, so yeah when I was 
got to sort of junior age, sort of jicker, every all of my friends then started also then going abroad to race. And we really struggled money-wise. So I was a few years behind. Um, and then I did a few races and I loved it. And I just, I just wanted to do it. Um, and my parents managed to get me a couple of years. So we did my first year with PDB in um, seniors. And they're a team. Yeah, so they're a Dutch team, but they run Gillard. Gillard Carts and I was really lucky as well because um, Tim Gillard he actually sponsored me so I had carts all the time throughout my racing so I was so lucky because you know that's you know another expense you don't need yeah. passing um, but yeah so he, I obviously did my first year with PDB uh, which was a great learning curve you know I like sort of learned a lot you know it's a lot different out there racing than it is in the UK um, just tyres their race yeah I think in the UK, the British drivers are very um, aggressive, whereas in Europe, they're a lot more, I don't say skilled, but they think differently. You know, their overtaking is not as aggressive, but it's more tactical. So, you know, it's a completely different level of racing. Um, so, yeah, that, that first year was kind of like my first learning year. I did, I think I finished like 12th in one of the finals, which to me was okay. <laughs> Um, and then the next year we, we sort of decided we're going to go Tony Kart because every, sort of everybody else was doing that. Um, and then go with a team called Millennium Motorsport, who at the time my mechanic actually owned. So um, it was just logical for us to do that. Um, within the first race, I was finishing in the top three of like the suit. It just all works. You know, we had a good engine. We had a good car, good, good team. I was doing, doing the laps. You know, I was doing the time, so it, it just all worked. So, started getting in the top three, and by race two, Tony Cart picked me up. So, again, okay, like it was a whirlwind year that year, but yeah, it was good. And I think when we spoke before, I think you said about getting your super license, and people kind of like didn't take you seriously. Like you said, you wanted to do this. How did you find that? Did you find like it drove you to do better, or was it just I'm just going to get on with it? Um, I think because I'd always it since being a kid, I've always had it in my mind that that's what I want. I will get there. You know, I can't see why not. I, you know, I need to be there. I need to be racing these people. Um, so when people sort of almost laughed at my in my face to sort of say, you won't get that license. You won't be able to race them boys. They're much faster than you. They're like much better drivers, more skilled. You know, obviously being a young girl, I was a bit like, oh, like heartbroken thinking you, no one has like that belief in me. That's just really harsh. But, you know, I, I really, really wanted it. So I pushed, pushed, pushed. My mum was helped help me and my dad helped persuade my dad to help me move on into the second class. And um, ironic that, isn't it? You're saying she didn't want you to start and then she's the one yeah. who helped. That's great. I think because she was the one who was dealing with all my tears when I wasn't like doing very well or things. So she's like, oh, let's just let's just do it properly this year and, and push you into the proper class, into the proper, you know, teams. Let's, let's just get it, get it sorted. So, you know, that obviously that helped me massively. And, and um, yeah, so I was able to then get my license because I think I did a race which which was not normal but they had a lot of dropouts so they were allowing people to compete in this certain race which got me the license so I was really lucky there because you know other opportunities that I'd had like I'd been the top 15 of the Europeans or something like that and my engine would blow up so my opportunity to get the license would like disappeared again so yeah I had a, I had a few bad years prior to that so 
to get that whole year just was amazing <laughs> tell us about your best race what was your best race that you had uh oh my my best race that i've had i say it was the weekend of the wsk at lenato in 2010 wsk wsk yeah um i even i even found a youtube video of it like it's a bit blurry but you know you can you can see me in the distance slightly i'm a little short driver out there with a pink helmet and um, yeah so i think that was pretty much that was a good weekend overall really because you know i was fast i was so fast you know i was beating people like ben hanley and marco Ardigo and flavio campaneschi and i i couldn't believe it and i crossed the line in one of the heats in third and i was literally screaming i could not believe that i'd just overtaken some of the world champions and i was just like rapid and it was it was just the, the best weekend ever and then come the final i think i'd i was starting third for the final and i was obviously terrified because you know you never know with the start of a kart race you just never know what's gonna happen in the first corner but i didn't even make the first corner because my engine went down so <laughs> no that's the hard thing about motorsport isn't it it is yeah for anyone listening who's not experienced a go-kart engine seizing up it's the worst feeling your rear wheels just lock up and you get thrown around it's absolutely horrible and very expensive but max verstappen he was your teammate yeah so um when i raced with crg in 2011 uh, max was he was in the juniors but yeah he was my teammate yeah that's amazing that's so cool it's cool yeah is it weird watching him on telly? Yeah, so when we sometimes me and my dad sometimes go to the Grand Prix because um, my home, the guy who sponsors me, my helmet, he gets us tickets every year, like Silverstone. And last year we went and we went into Red Bull because he took us in there. And uh, Max just walks past and he's like, "Oh, hi, Laura." You know, like it's like really weird because everybody <laughs> else is like dying for his attention, and then he just goes, you know, like old times, you know, like, "Oh, hi." So yeah, that's it's quite nice. <laughs> that's really cool. And you said about in the UK, and I can kind of relate to this myself, it was quite brutal racing in terms of it was quite close, a lot of crashes, it's quite aggressive. Could you tell us any about your big moments? Oh, I've had a few. So, <laughs> growing up, obviously, as a girl in motorsport, a lot of boys, they just, they've got big egos, I think. Sorry, boys. But um, yeah, they do. So <laughs> I think when a girl beats them, it, it does sort of, aggravate them so I think not only is the British grid really tough but being a girl in the British grid is like 10 times harder so you know to try and earn respect and you know bully your way through and be as competitive and tough so there was a few times I've had fist fights like people have pushed up against the fence like obviously boys have never retaliated I've never had anyone hit me but <laughs> I've I've given a few like pushes and stuff because you know you get to a point where you're like well, what else can I do like they keep smashing me off like and it's getting me frustrated so yeah I, I've had a few of those but I think I've been driven over um I have had someone roll me I've seen this happen and thankfully it never happened to me when I was competing but can you just explain how that happens I think they kind of like they clipped under my rear like under my bumper and like flipped me yeah and then there's, there's been loads of things nothing where i've been seriously hurt but more frustrated than anything yeah that is annoying i think you can see why you got annoyed and kind of wanted to confront them because as you said what can you do about it you get to a point where it's just annoying and did you feel like i don't like to harp on too much because obviously you've just done a great job you've just done what you want to do but being a girl did you feel like you you stood out a bit or obviously from what you said you had to really push to get that respect 
Yeah, I mean, it, I always, I really strongly believe in when you're on the track, you are just a driver. You know, I, I mean, I know there's been a lot of hype on females in racing now. So, you know, it's great in some ways because girls are getting a lot more attention and a lot more respect in motorsport. But at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of anti it in a way because I feel like I've fought so hard to be known as a driver that, you know, you're basically slapping, slapping a female tag on my back and going, you know, you are a girl again. So I think that kind of gets me. Um, and then like, obviously I had a pink helmet through no choice of my own. Um, that was supposed to be red and the helmet painter just painted it pink. So I was like, oh God. And I think that was just a massive target. You know, it's like, you're a girl, see ya. And so I am like, no pink on my suit, no pink on my helmet, nothing pink. <laughs> nothing to make me stand out anymore. <laughs> You've made some amazing points there and some that I can really relate to and, and totally understand. But clearly you have got that respect now. You've really earned it and, and got your stripes. You've done a great job. And how did you find that transition to cars? Because mechanically it's so different. It feels so much different. Expense-wise, it's so much more. Yeah, well, I was obviously so fortunate in karting that I was sponsored. Um, so I got to do all the laps. I had all the, you know, all the kit. I, it was not some, I didn't even think that cars would be so difficult in like financially being able to do the laps and things. Um, so when we went, we kind of sort of as a family decided that we were going to do a year in car. Well, I was going to do a year in cars, sorry. And um, we'll just see how we go. And so I did um, Bart Reno with Fortech. And Fortech did me such a great favor. They kind of helped me out as much as they could so I could race. But it did mean that I wasn't doing all, I wasn't doing test days. I wasn't doing laps. Like some of the kids were out like every week. You know, I would turn up the practice before the race and that would be my test. You know, and then, and like, unlike karting, you know, you go karting, you get like so many laps. You know, you could, you could be out all day or your sessions are like 20, 20 minutes long. Whereas, you know, in a car, you get like one session every, three hours it's it's hard and so like when you're trying to learn to drive a completely different driving style you know when you're not doing those sort of laps or have you have that much time you're not confident in the car you're not confident in yourself and so it really it's really tough to make that transition yeah it's something I do remember as well actually now you say it's although I did more endurance races which again it's a bit more continuous but with karting, it's just, right, next session, next session, next race, next race. You're kind of going all day. How did you cope with that big wait in between each race? How did you manage your nerves and kind of your prep before you got back out again? Yeah, like, I think one day, one day I was racing and I went, me and my mum were like, had nothing to do in the morning because I wasn't racing till like four in the afternoon. And they were like, we went, should we just go shopping? Because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> So I think we went shopping, but, um, you know, in karting, obviously you're up crack of dawn, you're testing all day and then you're racing all day. I think as well, the, the problem I found with race, like car racing was, you know, if you're, if you're racing a car, you know, you normally have a final and then a pre-final and then a final. So if you've had a bad pre-final, you know, you crashed or something's happened, you've almost got that hype. So then when you go like into your final, you're, you're ready and you know, okay, I've got this. Whereas with your car racing, you've got probably one race that day. If you go out and something happens, that's it, game over. It's the whole weekend gone, you know. So you've not got a second chance. You've not got that, you know, next race always. So it's, um, yeah, that's, that's quite really tough. What was your favourite track when you were karting and why? Um, karting, oh, I've obviously done so many. 
I really, I really like Genk to drive around um, in Belgium. So I've done a lot of test days there and I can just go around and around and around and around and around and not, and not even think about it. Um, I think to race at, ooh, I would say one of my favorite tracks was Braga, which they don't race at anymore. It's in Portugal, but oh, it's such a good track. It had like, um, at the straight, had like a chicane, a flat out chicane. And it was just, every time you come up to it, you were like, hold your breath, because it's like quick. Um, but I just loved it. I thought it was a great track. And it's a real shame that they don't race there anymore. What did you take with you when you were traveling abroad? Is there anything you kind of kept as like a comfort? I've asked a few drivers this question. Is there anything that you thought, oh God, I've got to take that with me, or I've got to wear this particular pair of socks for this race, because I know I do well with them. Have you got anything that you needed? I'm not really superstitious. I'm more, I've got OCD though. So I had a list and I had like spares of everything. Like I had spares of energy drinks, socks, you know, everything in case something got wet. Um, and I had particularly had to wear these shorts under my race suit. That's the only finicky thing I had was because one time I'd crashed and fjord went all over, all over me. Um, and they had to like take my suit off and all I had was my underwear on. And I was like, obviously not, for like race underwear I'm talking underwear um and I was like this is really awkward so from then on I've always worn shorts even in this like Egypt heat I've been wearing shorts <laughs> no way oh my god that's really um I was gonna ask you as well hang on that's completely throwing me because I'm just feeling like you're <laughs> kind of pain <laughs> if you were to um give anyone advice looking to come into karting what would you say I um done this I wish someone had maybe told me this what's the kind of is there anything that someone's told you that stuck with you uh, well, Terry Fullerton actually always said to me, um, which every time I overtake, I play it in my mind, is overtake or be overtaken. And literally it works every time. So if you go into a corner and you think you're going to make a move, you've got to go. Because if, if you don't make that, if you pull out and you make that move, you've committed to that move. So you've got to do it because the guy behind you will do you. So it's, you know, you've got to overtake or be overtaken. There's an opportunity, go for it. You know, if you put if you pull back, then you've messed up your move, and the person behind you knows that. So, always overtake or be overtaken. Amazing, that's that's brilliant. Oh, I didn't ask you about your fitness because I get really annoyed. I remember someone said to me once, "Oh, it's only karting; like it's just you know, it doesn't really matter." They kind of implied that it's no effort at all. How much mm-hmm. did you have to put into your fitness, especially oh, at the world level? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah. So when I was obviously fourteen, you kind of sort of popo it you're like yeah yeah I don't need to I'm fit enough I can drive around and then when the grip goes down yeah it's a different different level together I think that's what terrifies me now is where I've not been in a racing soap for for a bit you know if I go back now my fitness is is because there's difference as well between cart fit and just normal fit you know so if I go back now I'm not going to be as cart fit as I was you know when you're out every sort of weekend but you know there's only so much training you can do at home to sort of help that but yeah, you have. What do you try and focus on? Um, cardio, obviously, because when I was racing in Europe, some of the races were, you know, sort of 25, 27 laps, you know, and it's like, you know, you're racing in Egypt and the rubber's hot, like sticky and you've got to hold on. So yeah, endurance, obviously, so cardio and then arm strength is a big thing. So I used to have this, um, it was like a bar with like a rope and then a weight at the end and you used to have to roll it up and then like roll it down so to help your like wrist and grip um yeah and there's a couple of other things I've done so like neck training and stuff like had a helmet with some lead on it 
yeah things you know that's sort of to, to help you with racing but like i say you can only train so hard because karting fitness is a different thing altogether but I, re- I remember being at school and people being like oh that's not even physical but you know and then they go in a fun cart and they're like oh i'm knackered <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it definitely is yeah it's annoying when they say things like that but it's yeah it's good like to it's even people who are listening to this though who don't do it it's good just to know isn't it it's just you don't know until you've tried or spoken to someone who's done it and do you yeah. think there's much that's changed over the years with karting so if you're still heavily involved with the family business so have you seen a change since you've started to now yeah um actually i in a bad way really um obviously the age thing's a problem because now there's no superior class anymore which upsets me because you know like big the big top drivers they don't seem to they either can't race anymore or they race kz they don't race like a proper car in what sense can you just explain that a bit more um because they lowered the age age limit they also lowered the weight which meant that a normal adult man can't race it so for example David Foray who some people might know back in the day he was a world champion and he was you know an idol of mine who you know I got to race you know he has to be so thin now to make the weight limit in in a senior class you know it's ridiculous so I think that's a real shame because it's not really teaching the kids that are now coming into this class because the best drivers aren't there, they can't race them. And so they're not learning the skills that other drivers like Max Verstappen would have learned because they were racing the best. So that's that. I feel like that's a shame, really. It's a shame. When you said it earlier, I presumed that they would have added a, an extra class. But yeah, no. obviously, right, well. Maybe like almost like a superior junior class, really, more than anything. Yeah. When you said a 13-year-old could be a senior, that I remember being, I think, making that decision to move up to seniors I think I don't it was the same year that I was 15 16 you know that kind of transition I remember that being quite a big deal thinking about like oh should I do, you know gosh that's a, that is a shame isn't it and do you yeah. think like the Lewis Hamilton kind of effect has really set in I know it's a while ago since you know he started racing in F1 but I remember back in the day when I was racing my family had a cart circuit for a short while there was parents bringing their like your brother three-year-olds to try mm-hmm. and get them into a cart when they could barely <laughs> hold the helmet up like do you feel like that was a good thing or um still people now really that are you know do think that. i mean it's great in a way i mean everyone wants to be a Formula one driver you know i, I did I, I still do really <laughs> but you know there's only so many spaces in formula one and you know realistically now thinking about it you know you aim for formula one formula one formula one but you know unless you've got like a hundred million in your pocket you know it, it's tough because you're competing against people with so much money now you know whereas back in the day when lewis and jensen button raced you know there was a lot more sponsorship available you know people were willing to sponsor kids whereas nowadays because there's so many kids racing with the money that there's not as much sponsorship people don't need to sponsor people because there's someone with the money so you know but you do i mean obviously working for my dad and the tillet tiller racing seats you know we do get loads of dads who you know come in and say that their son's the next you know formula one star and you know good luck to them I, I really do hope that is the case but you know there is only so many spaces so you know if i can advise anyone it's to maybe look into like dtm or you know go somewhere where no one else is going good advice think, sorry yeah. no just because i think you know there's probably more of an opportunity there for someone 
Yeah, don't don't give up on your dreams. I'm sorry, I put down on everything. <laughs> You're not torn. I think you do. Get, I know that. Like, I think we've talked about this before, like getting old. But I think you just see things differently, don't you? And I think, especially yourself, you're you're in it all the time. So you see things differently. You've yeah. been there, in it yourself. You're on the business, in the business. It, yeah, a lot of kids are so keen to go cars so quickly now that uh, because of like, for example, Max Verstappen, he you know he did like the proper racing but he still went through really quick you know he, he did top level karting too i think he was what 18 when he went formula one you know was he 18 19 i mean he was one of the youngest ones wasn't he i can't remember which is crazy but i mean he did do the right steps so he was prepared for it but you know there's there's almost like a competition now where everyone wants to try and get to formula one as, as, as young as possible that they're missing out a lot of the steps you know and it's like karting you know if i'd have had like known i would have stayed in karting a lot longer because it's just such a good sport. You learn so much there. And in karting as well, I remember chatting to you about this before, it's a real family atmosphere and you've got that real social aspect as well, haven't you? You've got that group of friends that you get when you're karting that you don't really see during the week because you kind of got school, but then you've got those friends at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I think in cars, like, obviously, you get a lot of karting people go cars, but they tend to, you get a lot of... um, you know, like your mechanic used to race in karting. That's how I would see it. You know, my mechanic, he raced, his mechanic raced, you know, so we'd it'd all be involved. They'd all understand. You'd all be able to have like a, almost like a connection. Whereas when you go cars, you know, your mechanic, chances are like he hasn't raced, you know, so although, you know, the teams are great and you get a good bond because you're racing with these people, you know, it's not the same because they've not gone through the same sort of experiences as you. So, you know, there's a massive divide in cars compared to karting, I think. And tell us a little bit. Sorry, Laura, say it again. (laughs) Sorry, no, carry on. (laughs) Honestly, what you always say is, I'm sure it's more important. What were you going to say? No, just saying, uh, just obviously in in the paddock, I meant sort of not who, just everyone you're racing with, but. Yes, yeah, and it, yeah, as you said, it's kind of a cyclical thing, isn't it? You mechanic, they've been there. I think you respect them more, don't you, for that? Mm, Yeah, definitely, yeah. And during lockdown, your family's been quite busy as well, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So my dad, luckily, bought a Lotus. So he's been out of the garage for a lot of the time. So staying away from the business a bit, which is helpful for me because he messes <laughs> up. And, but yeah, so we come back to, from lockdown with such, like, a long waiting list. I mean, can't even tell you. I think the next gap is, like, April for a car seat. It's, it's crazy. So yeah, business is doing really, really well. So everyone obviously still wants to go racing even after COVID, which is good. <laughs> it's really, really good. And it's the seats were for Sims, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. So as soon as lockdown hit, like I think literally two days in, we were having like 10 or 15 orders a day for like simulators uh, seats, which, you know, we have to turn around and go, well, we're in lockdown and we can't make them. So sorry, you know, just chucking them to all of our dealers, hoping that they have something. <laughs> great that you're so busy and it's nice that you know you're doing so well and you're supporting the business and keeping your dad busy doing something else <laughs> yeah yeah anything but not in the business <laughs> <laughs> so funny well I think I've interrogated you for long enough but thank you so much for your time that's been a real pleasure talking to you yeah indeed. thank you well now I've finished recording this I'm absolutely desperate to go karting the last season I had was in gearbox carts and I can't ever replicate that feeling whatever I drive now it will never feel quite the same as going through the gears just absolutely at full pelt like an inch to the ground absolutely love doing that.
very hard, but I uh, would never change it. It was absolutely brilliant. I am looking for partners for my season next year, depending on what events are running, but I have a goal and I want to achieve it. So if you want to get on board with me on my journey, then please get in touch. Please visit my website. There's a contact page there or go onto my Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Jade Paveley Motorsport. Thank you so much again. And thank you to my sponsors, Forest Experience Rally School and Groupie Motorsport. Stay safe and speak to you soon.